Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, joining me at the bar this week is York United centre-back and one soccer analyst, part-time one soccer analyst, uh, Jordan Wilson. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. I don't know if I can if I can put that on the resume yet. Um, Part time, one soccer analyst. Um, they're they're showing me the ropes. We'll say that much. I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. But uh, yeah, I'm put center back slash midfield. I still think I got some some legs to to play to to be a holding midfielder as well. But uh, yeah, other than that, thanks for having me. Okay. No worries. I'll uh, I'll put I'll. I'll... Ended that bit in there just for Martin's, uh, just, so, <laughs> just, just so he knows there's another string to your bow. Um, I appreciate so, it. So just to kind of warm us into things, just have a couple of like just easier questions. So what's your most memorable game, uh, your most memorable game as a spectator? Whether it, it doesn't have to be soccer, it can be basketball, whatever. What's your what's the best game you've ever seen live? Ooh, best game I've seen live um, has to be... Uh, a trip I took with my dad and um, a few players here from from Mississauga, Toronto. I was was grade eight. We went to Italy and we saw AC Milan play Roma in. Um, yeah, I think it was no, it was at Roma. Wow. Uh, yeah, unreal. This this was like a time when like Cafu was playing. I, I wish I could remember the whole lineup. But um, yeah, it was an unreal game just in terms of atmosphere. And I remember that the Milan fans that were there, they had to like stay back for like 45 minutes to like clear out the stadium. It's just like culture like that. Like those are the things you don't you don't forget. I remember just watching and being in awe. Wow, that's a that's an incredible game to go to. Like the stadium. Yeah, for sure. like that. Wow. Um, what's your favorite post-game meal? Post-game. Um so usually, like before a game, I'm, I'm not like I'm eating my fruit or like coconut water or whatever. I'm like getting the stuff I need to to get, but I can just pig out after. Um, so we do like we do like uh, like these fresh bowls now, and like it's starting to be one of my favorite post game meals, just because like it's all the stuff you need, but I can like pig out in a way. Like it'll be like a Mediterranean bowl, but it's like everything in it. Um, Nice. So yeah, I'd say I would say that, or if I had the option, it would be like some jerk chicken or rice and peas uh, for my parents. But I don't get that all the time, right? So that would be, I'd say those two for sure. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and what's the best stadium you've played in outside of York Lions, obviously? Who best stadium I've played in? Um, yeah, I guess people are gonna have to look this one up. Um, a team called Espia E S. Wow, I'm killing myself here. B J E R G F C. That was a that was a nice stadium. Um, grass, just it was huge. It, yeah, it's perfect, perfect, perfect setting. Is that was that in Denmark? Yeah, that was in Denmark. Sorry. Um, yeah, that was a first division club in Denmark. Nice. So, um, York, of, you, you, we were talking earlier on, like you're, uh, you just finished uh, um, training and stuff. So, York have all obviously started preseason very early this year. So, uh, how's it been going? Yeah, it's been good. Um, we've got some new signings. Uh, obviously, the biggest one being our coach, Martin Ash, coming in. But it's been good. He's, uh, he definitely has a clear plan of how he wants to play. 
And um, it's been good just trying to get all the pieces together. You know, I feel like in preseason, you come at such high expectations. And then at least for me, this is probably what the eighth preseason I've been in, involved in. Then by the last like three weeks, you just want to play. So I think he's, he's had that good balance of, okay, these are the habits we want to do, but then we're still having fun at training and we're not getting, not getting too serious too early. You want to peak at the right time. So yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. And I know you played a, uh, a preseason friendly against Forge there before they went to the, uh, the, the Champions League. Uh, how did that go? It was a good game. Um, Forge still have some players that will hurt you. Um, but yeah, I feel like we're, that was our first time really playing together as a team. We had so many different pieces. Um, yeah, we had a really good first half in terms of we had a lot of chances and we were on the ball a lot and seemed really organized, especially for a group that was intermingled. It wasn't the same group as last year. Um, it ended up 1-0. They had a pen at the end that they could have scored to make it 1-1. But um, the score wasn't the biggest thing. It was just the way we were playing. It was, it was a really hopeful day because it shows that in this league, um, anyone could really be anyone. And like Forge, I'd say, is a powerhouse. But if we play to the best of our ability, we could be anyone in the league. So, uh, as you mentioned there, Martin coming in with the, the change of management, uh, what, what type of energy has he brought to the group? Is it like, I'm not, obviously you can't say whether it's better or worse than what it was previously, but what, what's, uh, what's, his, his, what's his approach to uh, football? He, you can definitely see he's defensive-minded. Um, it's about protecting what you have as opposed to gambling. Um, which is a structure, personally, as a player, I like because I'm just a defensive-minded player. Um, but, yeah, nowadays, too, you kind of need a bit of everything. Like, you got to work on your technique at training. You got to work on your fitness. You got to work on the, your tactical side of the game as well. So it's only been two weeks under him, but he he's covering all of that. And, uh, yeah, I really like his approach. I think, I think York's going to play an attractive style of football this year truthfully last year we did as well um but yeah this year i feel we could we could basically take our game to the next level as well because i it's it's having another year of certain players playing together again like last year for me it was just so many new pieces and we kind of fit and made it work um sometimes but now we also have another year of that so we have another year to solidify that that feeling and playing together and then these new pieces could just really help uh, like last year, everything was up in the air, obviously because of COVID, went to the bubble, all that kind of stuff. So it, the kind of team was like, as you mentioned, they're just, just trying to like, tron together a little bit. Um, and you guys kind of hit your stride after you came back from the bubble and you were kind of really clicking into the gears and stuff like that. So do you think having this extended preseason is going to really help you develop that kind of team culture? Yeah, I think uh, to answer your question, it will definitely help. Um, but I'm just like peaking at the right time is a huge thing. Uh, do you know what I mean? Cause you could have a two month preseason and maybe be overworked or you come into the first game and, and as much as you've prepared, you just don't give your all. I think you could see last year, even for me personally, that having a two week preseason after not playing for 11 months and then going into a bubble, it was impossible for us to have quality. We were just basically we're using the bubble as a preseason to figure each other out and to figure out what style we were trying to play. And kudos to uh, Gaffer, Jimmy Brennan, and, and Stolly and Camillo for, for getting the most out of us at that time. But you could definitely say having a preseason together is 
yeah, cheat code to go into a season because the two week uh, nonsense that we had last year, <laughs> I would never want to repeat again. Uh, like I, I've the, just when I hear bubbles and stuff like that, I'm just like I, I'm. I think the fans are done with it too. It, it was like yeah. I, I think you, we all felt sorry for his like looking at like the heat and all that kind of stuff he's had to deal with. You could you could say bubble, but it was like I would say a month before we were in Winnipeg playing, like a lot of us as a team are like hopping a fence to go and train. And like, you know, like the, the, the province was saying we couldn't train. We couldn't be in numbers more than whatever it was at the time. And we were like, yeah, but we have to be fit. So we can't just run at home on a treadmill. Like we have to get touches on the ball. Um, so yeah, I think after the bubble too, you could see that we just had a month with each other. So we knew each other better and like a month of fitness playing every day. And, and whatnot. And for the guys that didn't get injured, you can maybe take stride after the bubble. So I hope that never happens again. And even if they do ever have a bubble season, at least like be fair in terms of giving us at least a month to train. Yeah. I mean, like it's it just like, like a lot of stress on you guys, but what one of the, the good things that came from last season for you, especially is like, you know, they, they brought in Dominic Sator, who's like one of the best defenders in the league. And you guys have built a pretty decent relationship. So how is that developing and how good of a player is he to play alongside? Um, I appreciate Dom because I, I know what I'm going to get every time I play with him. Um, he's a hundred percent kind of guy. Um, and just good in the locker room. I think that's a, a big part as well. Cause if I was to have a player that was a good player, but not a good person, I would just choose uh, maybe a lesser talent, but a good person, if you know what I mean. Um, so for me, he hits the, the head on, he hits the nail on the head with those two things. Like he's a good player and he wants to win, but he's just a good person and look after the young guys, um, lead by example. So it's been, it was a pleasure playing with him uh, this past season. And then now, now going into this season, we already have that chemistry and that, that, brother, that brotherhood in place. So just looking back a little bit, like on, on last year, like with the, the the playoff run and stuff like that, it really looked like our set, like Halifax and you guys were trying your best not to make it to the playoffs. Like those last, those <laughs> <laughs> like seven or last, like as a Wanderers fan, like I, I think I got an ulcer towards the end. It was horrible. Um, but um, like, what what was it like for what was it like being in that? You know, like when you kind of like you know you just need to get over that line and like valor start putting everyone together and like what was it? What was the, the pressure like in the in the team like at towards the end? And then the there's a lot of pre- <laughs> there's a lot of pressure, but um. I, Mikey and I, Mikey Petrasso, we still laugh about today because I sit next to him in the locker room and every day he would come in and be like, all we got to do is get a win. That's all we got to do, boys, get a win. Then we win it. We would tie or whatever. It was our last 89th minute goal. And then we would watch a Wonders game and then you guys would bottle it as well. And then he would come in the next day optimistic. He said, all we need is a point. All we need is three points. Um, that yo-yo ping pong that we were doing for the past, I guess it was a month. Um, as a fan, it was it was exciting, but as a player, it was it was just so much stress because it came to the point that my lady and I were watching Halifax play, knowing okay, if you guys win, we have to get a win on uh, against Fords in the last game of the season. Or I feel like if you guys won, you did it, something like that. Regardless, it was like as a player, you never want to be watching games to decide if you're going to the playoffs or not. So um, yeah, it was like it was an exciting time, definitely. Yeah, like I, I think it was a uh, Valor played against Edmonton, 
and Everton were winning like 2 0, and then Valor came back to 2 2. So that started stuff. And then we had all we had to do was beat Ottawa and we scored. So the place, like the Wanderers ground was going nuts. Everybody like was incredibly happy. And then Matt Arnone scored the equalizer. He used to play for the Wanderers, obviously. So the place just fell yeah. silent. The place just fell silent. And then when he celebrated, like he broke the corner flag, so he got sent off for that. So <laughs> it, was, it was just like it was so, so questionable. <laughs> I, I was like, can you get up? Can you get sent off for that? I was like, well, I, I was like, I'm it's like the, it's, it was like uh, I, I when I was talking to him, I was like, man, that's like a Canadian heritage moment, you know? It's like uh, <laughs> the, the, the only person to ever be sent off for breaking the corner flag, but uh, yeah, it was just it was just a wild ride. But then like. Uh, going into the playoffs, then do you think that kind of hindered you then because you were like all over the place going into play like a, a team like Forge, who are obviously, as you mentioned, the powerhouse and are just like so settled? Um, yeah, it's weird that game because I feel like as a team throughout the year, we we always salvaged and always like we had enough, like we found a way to get points. And I think when we when we played Forge, we kind of just hit a wall. Like we said, okay, this is maybe as far as we could go. Um, to say they were better, yeah, I'll say they were better on the day, and they were a better squad overall. They had more more pieces to hurt you. But um, yeah, you could basically say I feel like our goal is to make it to playoffs, and then once we made it there, it was kind of just like, all right, let's see what we can do, um, as opposed to okay, let's maybe play to go to the final and I think also our playing style last year we we were like freestylers like yeah we had a game plan but we were like yo let's go punish let's go counter attack we weren't like a t- we didn't go to um Tim Horton's field thinking okay we're gonna sit back and counter like we were like we're gonna play the same like the same way that got us here which was you know that one-two punch like you come on us we come out we go yeah. forward on you um so yeah that's that's basically that's basically what happened uh, like you, you know you go i think you go back to like one one like he's got back at the potato scored and, and stuff like that like did, did, did you feel like that you used like as you said with the one two knockout like did you feel like you were going to go on and win it then when when, when mikey scored or did, did, like did i you know like when you're playing a game like i'm obviously i've never played a professional level like but you know when you're playing a game like, you kind of know that the other team just has that little bit that little bit yeah. more than you um personally when Mikey scored to 1-1 I was relieved but I still wasn't um optimistic that we were gonna win and maybe that's that's too honest to say but I was just trying to do my best in the game I feel like when they scored to 2-1 because I remember the the player was so lucky like cut in played a ball like skipped over my foot and then basically um What's his name? Navas was like in 1v1 and just like got to smash it in. And I was like, man, it's going to be tough for us to score a second goal. That's how I felt in that moment. But at 1 1, I was just relieved that, you know, we're going, we're going to halftime like even at Tim Hortons Field because there's one leg, like anything could happen. Yeah, it was, it was it was it was a really good game to watch. Like I really I really enjoyed it, and like I I, I kind of liked the fact that as a neutral, it was like as you said, you guys didn't sit back. He's kind of went for it, so it was kind of enjoyable to see how he has kind of approached it. Um, and I kind of think of like, if that was Halifax, the way that we play, we would have sat back and it probably would have been boring. So I appreciate you guys giving it a go. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, so like one of the big, big moments like last year too, was getting to play in um, BMO field against Toronto. Like obviously you, 
the result wasn't the greatest, but like, what was it like uh, suiting up against uh, like an MLS team like that? And uh, what was the experience like for you? It's a dream come true for me personally, because um, I've always wanted to play there. Like I knew like with uh, the trajectory that my career went, like I was playing abroad and I went to like a small school in, in Michigan before, like I just knew that playing at BMO might not ever happen. So to come back home and uh, play in a stadium where I was always just a fan in was a dream come true. I wish we could play them again, like in terms of, yeah, just play maybe, I don't know, play that game like we want to win it. I think that was one of the games this year we kind of just gave a team too much respect. And obviously TFC have so much talent and we're playing uh, in the biggest stadium that we're playing in for the year. And there was a lot of young players that this is the first time playing at such a high level. Um, but yeah, still, I feel like we could have just went and said, Yo, we're going to try to slay the Dragons today and just, just give it our all. So that was probably my only regret on the day, but it was still a nice feeling to, yeah, be in the stadium. Like my dad was there and I remember when like the stadium was built. Um, a lot of these guys were in diapers at that time. But for <laughs> me, I actually, actually remember when, uh, yeah, BMO came and it was just like, yeah, it was a surreal moment to be back and actually playing in, uh, in a stadium like where I grew up in or in an area I grew up in. The, the game, I think, was originally supposed to be at York Lions and then they moved it. Do you think that had you just played that at York Lions, uh, I know that obviously money-wise it probably made more sense to play at BMO. Do you think you might have given them a better game if you had to play at home? Or is that I like- think the result would have been similar, to be honest. Um, and I just think the atmosphere was far superior at, uh, at BMO Field. Like, it gave the boys just a different feeling. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's what we want in Canadian culture with the game. You want that's why I always love playing at, at Halifax because um, it's the closest feeling I get with the fans um, and the players and the grass pitch to Europe. Like as long as everyone's respectful and you're, you're not being racist or anything like that, you can say whatever you want to me at the game. Like I kind of want that. I will say okay. to the Halifax fans that it's probably not a good idea with me because then I play better, but <laughs> You want like you want that environment. You don't want to go to an uh, away game and it doesn't feel like it. You want to feel like, yeah, these guys hate you and they don't want you to win. And that's what I always appreciate about going to Halifax. So like having it at York, it just would have been more of a dead game. I like that we went to BMO and everyone was like, yo, you guys probably aren't going to score today or you're not going to mount to anything or you're out of your league. Like personally, I like that. I like that feeling. Well, I mean, like the, the as you said there, like you guys have like such a young team. Um, it probably didn't help playing in such a big stadium and stuff like that because obviously Pacific went there and gave them a really good game and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and we've seen like Lucas McNaughton move off to TFC, and Caden Chung has been rumored to be moving too. So, do, do you think that th- this league is doing its job where young talent is starting to like you know? players that probably would have never had that stage are starting to come through and be uh, noticed. Yeah. I think um, it's no secret that Canada has always produced talented players. I think it's just the middle ground that has always let us down. And the middle ground that I'm referring to is what happens to you after you turn 18. Um, Like there's only a certain amount of players that could go to university or, go straight playing pro when they're like a teenager right now there's a league in place that 
you could play, develop, and potentially be seen. So it's doing its job. The next thing that I'm just hoping for and praying for, and it is actually coming to fruition right now, is just having more teams. So instead of playing as much as I love playing Halifax, instead <laughs> of playing you guys twice away and twice at home, we're maybe playing you guys twice for the year. Um, if you have 12, 13, 14 teams, it just there's all those spots filled, and then we just fill them majority with Canadian players. And it's it's phenomenal because you'll see in the next five to 10 years, like the rewards of having something domestic, something to call our own, because every other country has that. Every other country like pumps their talent into the league. It's even worse in Europe. And I'm sure like you're Irish, like you see it all the time. Like you 18, you 20 players, they're coming up through the academy. They know the way that a club is going to play. They they're known throughout the club. And then they're playing for their home club. It's a dream come true. Like this is where we need to get through, get to in Canada, where you have players coming in. They know they have that pride, the sense of pride for who they're playing for, and then playing for a first team. We need more success stories like that. The the, the thing for me, uh, like with the league, is how obviously there's trouble in Edmonton, and the the, the league had to kind of cut, uh, pick up the slack for them for paying wages and stuff like that. But the fact that they're willing to all the owners were willing to come together to save the franchise. Like to me, it's like, it says that the, the league is here to stay. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me is that like so many leagues in North America come and go. And I, I don't want to see it happen in Canada, you know, because uh, for sure, I, I think that when you see players like even Eastland Garrow going to Romania, he's doing well in the first division. He scored his first goal good at night and stuff like that. Like, I mean, you have so many young players on your squad. Like, uh, do, do you feel like there's, players on your team that are willing to that are ready to make that next step for sure absolutely i think there's a couple um some more ready than than others but yeah for sure i and i tell them um to their face all the time like i shouldn't see you in like two years i shouldn't we should talk we should text but i shouldn't see you i shouldn't be training with you because you're at the age and position where you can go and develop and i think it's it's great having a Canadian league, but it's like anything you want to try something new and see maybe what the other side is like. And for me personally, I did that and it was the only option at the time, but I feel like these kids that are growing up in the CPL, should I say kids, we'll say young men that are growing up in the CPL, they have the best of both worlds. They have the comfort of still being homegrown and still developing at home or in their home country. And then they have a chance to maybe go abroad and make something happen. So this is, yeah, this is a beautiful time. Because if you ask me about a CPL league, it could have been in place in terms of talent and the way that we love uh, football or soccer here in Canada. It could have been in place 10, 15, 20 years ago. The infrastructure just wasn't there. Like we didn't see bigger and we didn't have people wanting to uh, sponsor or be CEOs of clubs. Like it, that just wasn't in place. So Right now, it's there, and we just need a relish this opportunity. So do you see yourself, uh, you're one of the older guys on the team. Um, I, I know on uh, the, the CPL thing, you kind of said that you're not that old. Obviously, you're not. But uh, like, <laughs> do, you, do, you, like, do you see yourself as a kind of a mentor? Like, as a kind of like, a, you know, like you've been, you've been to Europe and you've played there. Like, so do you, do you see yourself as being a mentor and helping these guys out? Yeah, I think that's, um, I do. I think that's a, probably the biggest part of my game. I think if I, if I can't do that anymore, like lead by example, like be in people's faces, like 
pick uh, my teammates up, just come with energy and passion, then I have to do something else. That's just like the way God made me. You know, I'm, I'm very hands-on. I'm very, I'll bleed for my club. I want everyone to be successful. I'm super happy if one of my teammates score or they are playing great. Um, so yeah, as like, I look at it, I was the same, honestly, at 23. I think I just know more now at 30. So that's just a huge part of like, I guess what I bring as a player. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm aggressive and some days I'm good on the ball, but I think it's more of just like my personality. Like I want the whole unit to do well. That's awesome. Uh, so, so like, uh, as you mentioned, you, you're, you're like five or six years in Denmark, maybe more. Um, yeah. So, about five, five and a half, six. So, so been a young, a young man, like living abroad like that, like uh, how did it help develop you as a player and as a person? Um. Good question. As a player, definitely, specifically in Denmark, they're so tactically sound. Um, so, like, I loved playing there because I already had, like, the work rate and I had, um, I was technically uh, good, you could say, but in terms of the tactics and just, like, knowing where to be and just being smarter with my body position and, and how to get the most out of situations that was like a whole new world for me. Um, so it was nice because I was challenged because the thing that they grew up doing, I never did. So that's a kind of like, I kind of had to, I guess, get better at the areas I wasn't great in, but then show the areas I was already really good in all the time. So I had to think like, there's no one that could beat me um, 1v1. There's no one that's going to win a duel in the air. And like, I could still ping a 40, 50 yard ball and I can tackle and I run forever. So I was like, every game I have to play and show that. And then the other bits just have to get better and better as I go. And like, so being a young person and living abroad and stuff like that, like what, what kind of, um, like, how did I help you become to the person you are today? You know, it's difficult when you move away. And you, yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, you face some challenges for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it helped me just always checking in on like who I am and what I want. I feel like when you're alone, um, I used to always want to be around people. And I feel like the five, six years, I still enjoy people's company. And obviously you can tell through the podcast, I enjoy talking, but <laughs> it was nice to take like moments uh, by myself and just really think about like what I want. Do I want to stay? Do I want to keep pushing? Do I want to try something new? Um, what are my goals in the next two, three years? What's my goal this season? It just made me so... Um, reflective and like analytical about like what I want and uh yeah it helped me to grow because I think my university years like 17 to 21 22 I was um I was growing a lot but I was all over the place I think going and being on a different time zone and a whole different continent it really helped me focus and like hone in on what I wanted as a person and a player so what, what was the um we mentioned there like the perception of Canadian football is like a totally different now with like uh with the players that we that, that are here and, and, and stuff like that. But like what was the perception of Canadian football when you went over first to Denmark where like people like like you actually play football in Canada, like you don't just all play yeah. as hockey or <laughs> so it wasn't so it wasn't as bad as like comments I received when I was younger, like when I was 13, let's say, or even 17. Um yeah, it was a bit it was a bit better, but you have to keep in mind, we didn't have an Alfonso Davies yet. 
I will, I said this in the Black History Month CPO um, roundtable that we had, that Atiba Hutchinson was a bit of my savior. Uh, they always kind of been like, oh, you play like soccer in Canada? Like, I thought you guys play hockey. And I was like, yeah, we're good at hockey, but there are some ballers as well. Um, like, and I'll just be like, Atiba <laughs> Hutchinson. So it's funny because that was just one that obviously there are other Canadian players that played, but he tore up the league. Like he was, uh, so I played in the first division. He played super league. So he was playing in the best league in Denmark. And um, he was the best player for like two seasons. And he won the, the Danish championship like four years in a row with Copenhagen. And he was like the best player. I remember seeing him play once when I was like 18. And I think he lost the ball one time. And he had like, he was just unreal. He was just like, if you see a Tiba move, especially then, he was just like gliding. Um, so I had that one player that I could be like, yeah. It's not like he was from Saskatoon or whatever. I was like, you know, he's from Brampton, which is like 15 minutes from my house. And yeah, so I always had him to, that, that gave me validity for sure. Wow. It's amazing having like a trailblazer like that. You know, somebody who's uh, uh, been there, done that just before you. But um, that's literally what he is. You know, the man, the man's 39. Like, I, I'm only four years older than him. I look like I'm about to die, and the guy still looks like he's in his 20. So, uh, whatever, whatever. Don't die on us, Anthony. We don't want that. Whatever, whatever he's using, I want to bottle it because I need it. So. <laughs> so, you know, just looking towards next season, um, you've also brought in some, like, Angus just finds these players from. Who knows? I, I I don't know. Like I feel like he just plays football manager, and it's just like I like the sound of that guy, and then goes and tries to sign him. But I mean, you brought in uh, Daniel Obikar and Martin Grass. I'm probably saying the names horribly wrong. Martin Grass here. Am I saying that wrong? Did, did you're, doing, you're doing great. Um, so, so so do you think that those guys are going to take you to the next level next season? It's a loaded question. I mean, these are the only guys I've known for two weeks. Um, and I basically have said that it takes more than just like talent to really, yeah, kind of push a team forward. So it's just how well we come together. Um, I will say the core that we've kept is a great core. Um, so it's really up to getting everyone on the same page. Uh, but it is a loaded question. I, I wish I could answer it better for you, but I can't really... Yeah, I can't really read the future. Like, I, I don't know what the future holds. I know that these guys are coming with some quality, um, but how they fit into uh, Martin Nash's system and how they fit in with the boys. And because it's different. Like, I know, let's say for Martin, who's Czech, I know he's played in the, I think the Serie A as well. It's just different with CPL. Like, they're defenders I want to kick you every day. That, that might be different from what he's used to, you know, maybe he's used to more time on the ball or just not, it's just different getting all those things together. It's, it's a, uh, it's a big equation. So that, I feel like we can do it, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's just, that I want to put a bet on and win some money. So I'm just looking for some insider uh, information. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, off, off the, off the podcast, we can talk about it. <laughs> can talk about it. Uh, and the, the, good, the good thing is, is that like, you know, uh, Daniel's Danish. So you probably know a, a few uh, swear words to, to, to say to him at training to help him along the way. right? I, pr I practice my Danish every day uh, with him. So that's, <laughs> that's good. Uh, I'm making sure that's, that's still sharp. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, the, my, my last question, uh, 
one but one. Um, so you did the you, you you did a little bit of a soccer analysis with um one soccer last year. Like so, how much fun was it to do that? And is it something that you're gonna continue doing? Um, it was so much fun. It was like. It was nice. I loved everything about it. Um, how you have to be quick on your toes, how like spontaneous it is, um, how you have to just be a matter of fact in what you say um, and how you feel. And uh, they took to me well, which I really appreciate because there are guys and gals that have been doing this for, for many, many years. And sometimes when you get someone new, you could just be so standoffish and everyone has treated me well. And just like uh, encourage me, which is nice. Um, but to be honest, Anthony, I just enjoy trying new things and like trying to get better at it. Um, I don't want to try new things like don't play me striker. I don't know if I'm going to get enough. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a lot out of me. But I like trying new things. I like being like, oh, I'm a bit of a fish out of water right here, but I want to get better at it. So I'll say right now that broadcasting is definitely something that I would love to do in the, the future and continue to do right now. But yeah, we'll just see, we'll just see what opportunities come my way or what, what the future holds. Well, uh, you were a natural. It was a lot of fun to, to, to listen to you and uh, I really enjoyed it. So hopefully you get a chance to do it again. Appreciate it. Um, there's so many questions I, I think I forgot about. We were, we were just talking there before we came on about the, uh, the, the, the game in Halifax, the the three three game. Um, what what are your memories of that game, and what's it like being part of a game like that with the highs and lows? You know, like you guys were two up, then two two, then three two, three three. It was a it was just an incredible game to watch. <laughs> I've been drained as a player a lot, like in my career. Like you play hot days, like thirty five degree weather, and whatever you come off, and like your face is salty and you're just like destroyed. You have like no <laughs> water. <left laughs> in you. That in my life was the craziest game I've ever played in, but also the most emotionally draining game because everyone who watches footy will say a two nil lead is like the worst lead to have. But that game you were there two nil um, with, I think like 12 minutes left. I I've never felt so confident. We were, yeah, of course, Wanderers, you guys had some chances at some points in the game. But Dom was feeling good. I was feeling – our back line was feeling good. We were attacking well. And that was – I remember at that time, that was like an issue for us. Like we were scoring maybe one goal for the game. We had two, and our attackers were doing like an exceedingly great job that day. So, yeah, I will say the only thing I can apologize for is the first penalty. And, um, again – I could care less, but the only penalty was the first penalty. Yeah, the second <laughs> penalty was called, but the only penalty was me going, I forget his name, good player, but I bump him, I bump him too late in the corner. I don't need to. That's That was my only mistake for the day. Well, not only mistake, but the only mistake that like cost us a goal <laughs> was that first one. The second one, um, so we go with 2-1. I, at that point, I'm like, guys, we're going to write out this game. I still didn't feel like we were going to lose. Then um, him cutting, getting by Chris Snow a little bit. And most players don't really beat Chris Snow most times um, or rarely. And when he cut Chris Snow and then he tried to cut by me, I said, I knew he was cutting onto his right foot. So I let him go. When the whistle was blown, I was convinced that 
he was getting a yellow card for embellishing. I was convinced. Like, if I had to put my, my parents' <laughs> house or whatever on it, I'm convinced. I'm like, there's no way. Because the way I moved and didn't touch him and didn't have contact, I was like, yeah, you got to be kidding me. But I will say this is the beauty about having fans and having people so close to the touchline because he drops in like around the six yard and he cuts and everyone's screaming that it's a pen. I know in my heart I didn't touch him. He knows in his heart he didn't get touched, but he drops. The fans go crazy. The ref says, you know what? Let me just mess up this whole game and I'm going to give a penalty. <laughs> so already that alone, 2-2, two, two, I'm livid. Right. Then Alvaro scores the, I think, goal of the season. Oh, I was like, this is I people. People were trying to tell me, oh, other goals. I was like for him to on a wet surface to kill the ball dead and then to ping it straight over your keeper from 45, 50 yards. I said, this is like so many people could try this 10 times. They wouldn't even get it once. And I was like, for him to do that off the cusp in like the 91st minute, I was like, yeah, you got to You got to give it to him. It was an unreal goal. I remember sliding and being like, yes, it is finished. <laughs> and then to go down with three, two. And then I feel like, I don't know. I remember what happened, but we could have kicked it out for a throw in, but we kicked it out for a corner. And I remember um, Chalet coming up and screaming like, we'll score here guys. And I remember thinking like, there's no way. There's no way that they're going <laughs> to score. And then we did a flick-on header. I don't know what, like, all we had to do is head the ball out. The game had been over. We flicked it on. And then Kamar was alone. And then hit, like, yeah, I was weird. I ended up in the, the net. Like, I was like Spider-Man or something like that. Like, everything was around me. I was like, 3-3. Three, three. I was like, this is the craziest game. But insider knowledge, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but you, we, you asked to talk about it. The next week, we get that same ref. And I gave him an earful. I was like, at the end of the game, I was like, you're atrocious. I was like, you want to like, you're caught. Because again, for the 2-1 is deserved. But the 2-2, I'm sorry. If you watch this play over and over again, and I know, I'll be honest. If I foul someone, I'll say that. But like, he cut the ball and no one touched him, moved out the way. And he told me a week later, because he was reffing us as forage or he was the fourth official. He said, I'm so sorry I got that one wrong. And that one hurt. Because he's admitting to me he got that call wrong, but we still only got a point that day. And that would have been a day we got three points. And then maybe at the end of the year, that wouldn't <laughs> have been an issue. But that's also the beauty of football. Obviously, I was a culprit in that, that moment. And I was a long uh, flight home. But, yeah, you, that's, that's the beauty of it. And then we'll get into, like, VAR and all that stuff another time I'm on, I'm on your podcast. But... <laughs> Yeah, he got that decision wrong, but it didn't matter. We tied that day, and it was the craziest game I've played in. And I personally don't think you're not, I'll play in a crazier game. Oh, uh, like, like like being there uh, and being a Wanderers fan, the second one was definitely a penalty. Um, the-, <laughs> the second one was? No oh, my goodness. You know, I- and I believe, that, I believe that everyone thinks that. That's the funniest part. I believe that everyone's like, oh, that's a clear pen. And I was like, Man, you guys oh, are killing me. God. Like, so I was right behind the goal for Alvaro's goal. Like, I was just right in behind the goal. And I saw the kick out. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a terrible kick out. And then watching Christian Oxner slide into the net after the goal goes in was just heartbreaking. <laughs> it, was like just, it was like in slow motion, just watching the whole thing happen. And then the ball hits the net. And then he just slides in behind it. And I was just like... This is this sucks. We have to score. And then we went up the other end. And then I think Kamara, like when he took the shot, 
it was probably going wide, and then it, like because uh, he yeah. missed like, an open goal, and then it hit Abzi and went in. It was just a it was just a mad game, and like we we were all soaking wet. Uh, it was just a, a horrible conditions, and then it was kind of nice to go home with a point. With and, a point, yeah. And then we but this to, is what go ahead. This sir. is what we want, though, Anthony. This is what we want. Like that culture. Although I've never been so upset at a, after a game <laughs> like I was that game. That was that's the culture that we want to create. Like that atmosphere in terms of you guys being cold, but you were there supporting your squad. And then honestly, I could say this on record. That result doesn't happen without you guys. Truthfully, you want to know why? Because the second one is not a pen. <laughs> but you guys yelling and, and forcing the ref to blow his whistle, it makes it no. But like there's some truth in what I'm yeah. saying. Like you guys being at home, being down. Um, two nil and then two one and then two two and made it an atmosphere. If if there were no fans there or there are two hundred people watching the game, it was a different game. York wins that game, but you guys salvaging together and having such a great fan base is what made it what made it a great game. I'll I'll, uh, I'll take the assist on that one. Uh, so so, <laughs> uh, so so my last question: We ask everybody this in the show. You're going to play on on a, in a five side tournament from the players you've played with. Who makes your team? From the players that I've played with, like yeah. at, like everywhere, everywhere. Oof. Um, five aside. Okay, I gotta put my boy Roger Thompson as a defender because nice. um, he's great with both feet. He's like six. He's like six two, but he has feet like he's five seven. Honestly, he has great feet, and I know if I give him like a look like he'll go and like run through someone and like be aggressive. And like, sometimes <laughs> you need that. Um, oh, I have me playing whatever. I in the middle of the back. I have me there as well. I'll play with a guy called Mas Coland. Um, his last name is K A A L U N D. He plays for Silkeborg right now. And I think then first division or maybe super league right now. Yeah, but he's a baller. He was just a midfielder that I probably had the most success with. Like, I played the six, he played the eight. And, um, yeah, tackle guys, beat maybe one guy, give him the ball. He was just really, really sound. Nice. Um, striker. Who is, like... See, like, with um, with 5v5, you just want someone that's, a like, a, a machine. Like, yeah. just producing goals, <laughs> even if they're... You want to... This is such a tricky question. Ah. Uh, Okay, I gotta put Abzi. I'm so sorry. I had to put Abzi somewhere. So what are you at now? Four? I'm just missing someone else. A striker, like a dog up top. Whew. So no goalkeeper, right? Yeah, you know, like like I'm crazy enough to play goalkeeper for five. <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy. If you give me if you give me a jock, I'm like ready to go. Like I'll take it off the face. Like I'm good. Um, we just need a dog up front. Oh, that's easy. Mobile bully. 100%. Oh. What, a what a player, man. What a player. Yeah, and like, great player, great guy, but for five aside as well, he would, yeah, he would tear it up. He's like... And uh, like, it's weird because I want to put, I want to put Noah, Noah in there as well. For Hooven. I want to, I want to get him on the squad, but he would probably be like six man coming in. Nice. He could play. He'd be like the sub goalkeeper. He's switching in. He, if we if we made the CPL <laughs> edition, I would take out my boy from Denmark. 
for sure. I love and it. It's literally like the same guy, just one's left footed and one's right footed. That's, so, that's the only difference. So if you can just uh, recap your team for me, man, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I got Roger Thompson with me in the back, or I guess I'm keeper. Um, that's me on it. And we got Abzi. We got, I'll say Noah slash mass colon in, uh, in Denmark. And then we got mobile bully up top. It's a pretty solid team, my friends. It's, it's uh, solid. We're, whatever teams you had before, I'm sure that this, our team could take them. I'm sure. I think so. Although I did have, uh, I have, uh, I had um, Thomas and Volton on who played with uh, Van Dyke and uh, okay. You know, his list was ridiculous, and I was just like, "Yeah, that's the uh, Van Dyke is already uh, yeah." Were... It's the five year against Van Dyke, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> so man, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your hectic schedule to hang out and talk on the show. And uh, I'll make sure to tell everybody in Halifax not to give you any stick because it makes you better um, when you get here. Don't tell them that. Tell them to, <laughs> to, to amp it up. This is what we want. Actually. This is the culture we want. Tell them to say that I'm so crap and my touch is poor. We're not going to win. Please tell them. I, I will do that. Uh, so, yeah, man, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with the season ahead. Thanks for having me. Yep. Appreciate you.